Welcome to our look at Revelation chapter 4 together in Daily Drive Time Devotions. Hi, I'm Pastor Tom, and I have been looking forward to this chapter. I love the first three chapters of Revelation. I really love chapter 4 and 5. They are incredible chapters that focus on a worship service, a worship experience in heaven. The world is filled with a lot of incredible doorways, doorways that you can go through to experience incredible things on on vacations or in a business or in your church. In last week's chapter, in chapter 3, verse 19, we saw Jesus knocking on the door of our lives. And here at the beginning of chapter 4, there's this awesome doorway that is open. It is a doorway to heaven. Listen to what happens in verse 1. John writes, After this I looked, and there was before me a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Wow, what a moment in John's life. He follows that voice and he steps into heaven. Now, where is heaven? It's not some distant planet. It's in in essence another dimension of existence right here and right now. I don't have to go up or out to find heaven. It's going to a different place, a place where God is. And John is allowed to walk into heaven. He's not the first one in Scripture to do this. The prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel were also privileged to look into heaven. John here has the same privilege. The apostle Paul was privileged to see into heaven. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, John here gets the same privilege. But John, in a sense, goes even a gigantic step further. He's summoned up into heaven. doesn't just see, he is summoned there. One of the people on our research team wrote, I have one overall question on chapter 4. Is there any reason for us to view this as anything other than an actual description of a scene around God's throne? And no, there is not one reason to believe it's anything else. What happens here is John gets to attend a worship service in heaven, and then he gives us a detailed description of what he saw. (laughs) Just think of this. We get the chance these next few weeks together to go together, to hear the description together of this awesome worship service in heaven. If somebody wrote a book on this today, it would be an instant, immediate bestseller worldwide for years and years to come, and the Bible is a bestseller for centuries because it tells the true story of what God has done. And here in Revelation, this book, we get to hear what happened when John went to heaven. Now, as we start this look at what happens in this throne room of heaven, it's a good chance to remind ourselves of three perspectives that you gotta have if you're really gonna get all that the book of Revelation has to give to us. When we understand these three perspectives, much of the book of Revelation, most of what is unclear to us when we read the book of Revelation becomes clear. Not all, but most becomes very, very clear. And we're going to see examples of all three of these perspectives in this chapter. The perspective of the Old Testament, the perspective of the first century, and the perspective of time in heaven. Three vital perspectives. Number one, the Old Testament. You have to understand the Old Testament in order to understand Revelation. You're going to see as we walk through these chapters, these next few chapters, that there are things that are taken out of the Old Testament And if you understand those verses, you understand exactly what John is saying. If you don't know those verses are there, it makes you scratch your head. So you have to understand the Old Testament. I always say the book of Revelation is at the end of the Bible because you need to understand the rest of the Bible before you understand Revelation. A second thing you need to understand is the first century, the first people who read the book of Revelation and the atmosphere in which it was written. It was an atmosphere of persecution of Christians. It was an atmosphere in which the emperor 
was said to be God. And you were supposed to say that this emperor was worthy, the one to be worshipped. Now, in the perspective of that, as we see who God really is in these next couple of chapters, we're going to see that he alone is the one to be worshipped. That's a perspective that you need to have. And a third perspective that's important, especially as we go into chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, is time in heaven. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, after these things. One question you might have is, how long after these things? And the answer I'd give you is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because time in heaven and time on earth are two different things. Time with the Lord and time with us are two different things. Sometimes we try to figure out the book of Revelation as if time in heaven is progressing at exactly the same rate and exactly the same ways as it is on earth, and it is not. They're just two different things. Now, I know that might be hard to grasp because we've always lived where there is time and it proceeds a certain way, but when you understand that it's different, And don't try to match the two up. You just realize that God's telling you the story of events in the order they will happen and not necessarily the timeline that they will happen. Then it helps you a lot as you read through the book of Revelation. That's the perspective in the book of Revelation. John is going to be seeing events that we have yet to see. And we need to get to understand that as he sees his events, he wants us, whatever timeline we live in, to look forward to what only Jesus Christ can do. Now, that all ties into one vital attitude. These three perspectives tie into one vital attitude for understanding Revelation, and it is the attitude of worship. It is the attitude where Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 are going to lead us. If you approach the book of Revelation with an attitude of worry, which is the opposite of worship, with an attitude of worry focused on what are the problems, you're never going to get the joy, never going to get the hope. When you read the book of Revelation, trying to find the answers to worries that you have about your future, focused on yourself, you're just going to come out more worried. But when you read the book of Revelation, focusing on worship, worship of the God who made us, confident that we can hope in him, then you approach the book of Revelation with worship, and you end up with a greater degree of hope. Worship is the attitude that unlocks an understanding of the book of Revelation. It is the attitude that God himself invites us to before we even begin this look at the future. That's what chapter 4 and chapter 5 are all about. They're two of the greatest worship chapters in the entire Bible. So let's worship. And as we worship, we begin at the throne. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, John writes, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. John says, I was in the Spirit. This is not some altered state. He's talking about, I was connected to Christ. I had a sense of my connection, my personal connection to God. God's Spirit is put into our lives, into our hearts as believers. And being in the Spirit means I recognize my connection to my Father. Now, in this case, John is enabled to see some things that you and I might not ever be able to see, but he lets us in on it. And I need to be in the Spirit. I need to be connected to God, my Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if I'm going to really understand what he has to say. And as John begins to write, the focus of worship in this chapter is on the throne. If you want to understand Revelation, you have to begin with the throne. If you want to understand yourself, if you want to understand this world or anything else for that matter, you have to begin with the throne. It's interesting. In the rest of the New Testament, the word throne appears 11 times. In the book of Revelation, the word appears 42 times. It appears 11 times in chapter 4 alone. 
The word throne appears as many times in this chapter as it does in the entire rest of the New Testament. That throne, the throne of God, is the central theme of the book of Revelation. In fact, there's only five chapters in the whole book where the word throne isn't found. What are we talking about when we talk about God's throne? The throne is a place of priority, a place of authority, and a place of glory. God's throne is a place of priority. All that takes place, all that you read this week in the news or see on the internet, as exciting or as excruciating as world events might be, they all relate back to this one throne and the fact that God has a plan through it all. It's a place of priority. There is no news more important than this throne. There is no one more important than the one who sits on this throne. It's a place of priority. It's also a place of authority. I always like what Ray Stedman said about this throne. The fact that there is a throne, he wrote, means that there are absolutes which cannot be altered or changed. They are guaranteed by the authority of that throne. Nothing man does or can do alters them in the least degree. It's a place of authority. We might say, I want this to happen, or I might push for this to happen, or some human government might even for a few years cause something to happen. But in the end, every knee is going to bow before that throne. In the end, the authority is God's alone. He exercises authority over all of human history, all over all of eternity. It's a place of priority, a place of authority, but it's also, and we're going to see this in the days to come, it is a place of glory. It is a place where we see the glory of who God really is. In fact, these next few days as we look at God's glory, my prayer for me and for you is that we will experience it in a way maybe that you never have before. That whether you're driving in your car right now or sitting at your desk or it's the early morning or late evening or in the middle of the day, wherever you happen to be, God's glory can invade that point right now in your life as you worship the one who sits on the throne. Let's do that right now. Our Father, we worship you. We recognize your priority. There is no one, nothing more important than you. And that will go into eternity. We recognize your authority. No one can stand against you. No idea that I have or direction that I try to take against you or apart from you can stand. And we recognize your throne as a place of glory because it's the place where you are. And you are a glorious, beautiful, awesome God. We take a moment right now to glory in who you are and ask Jesus Christ that you would reveal the glory of the Father in our lives today. And in your name we ask this, Jesus. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to continue our time together at the throne of God. <laughs>